0: Chapter Twenty Six of From Mud to Mufti by Bruce Baron's father. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Six, en route to Milan, Hotel Brigands, Spaghetti, on to Udine. By some extraordinary lucky chance, I got a seat in the train. The usual trouble was prevailing, and you almost needed a shoehorn to get the last few people into that train. We pushed off. It's a beautiful journey, the run from Paris to Milan. First of all, of course, one passes down through the best part of France. Trees, meadows, old towns, villages, and chateaux. Right down through the center of France one goes and then comes the Riviera. Splendid scenery here. At last the train reached Modine. This place is a very important feature en route to Italy as it is the frontier station and here in wartime it was necessary to change trains. In the days before the war, one could go from Paris to Rome without a change, but now it was different. I got out at Modena and was crowded, pushed, and banged about on a super-crowded platform in an endeavor to board the train which was to take me on to Italy. The scenery had all changed now. Huge mountains on either side and the line running along cuttings in the sides of the cliffs over precarious-looking bridges or through long tunnels. This was Italy. Everything looked different now, even the character of the houses. I was mighty pleased to have got as far as this on the journey. We went on through a host of wonderful mountain sights and arrived at Turin. I call it Torino at times, like the Italians. Sounds well, I think. Turin is a fine, bright-looking town. I didn't stop there but went on to Milan, which brought me to the end of the first half of my journey. Udine-on-the-Carzo was my destination, but a pause in Milan was necessary for the purpose of picking up a train to that area. I wasn't sorry, either. Milan is good enough for me for twenty-four hours. I got out of the train and was nearly bitten in half by a swirling mass of hotel porters. brigands in all sorts of uniforms with the name of their hotel written in gold letters round a military hat. I got my back against the train and turned to face my attackers. Effect. Horatius Cockles defending his suitcase. I didn't know which hotel would suit me best, so I got out of the difficulty by asking in French which hotel was nearest the station. A tall, dark, thin outlaw immediately sprang at me and grabbed my baggage. He evidently was unquestionably the clutching hand belonging to the nearest hotel. The rest of the group looked menacingly at this man and sulkily began to move off. Some, however, still skulked along close to me and my porter as if there might be a chance that either I should change my mind, or that the porter would drop my baggage, in which case they would spring in and seize it. One swarthy child of Milan followed me and my porter right across the station square outside, keeping up a seductive barrage of Italian as to the absurdity of my going to any other hotel but his, and occasionally glancing venomously at my own porter with all the hate and vendetta of ages in his eyes. I suppose that after trains have come in and travelers have been dragged into the various hotels, these men go to some lonely spot and fight it out. The mortality amongst foreign hotel porters must be terrible. My hotel was quite a nice one and the management could speak English. This, of course, is a blessing to one who doesn't know a word of Italian. A good mixture of French and English can get you to most places nowadays, though. It was a beautiful evening when I arrived at Milan and the whole scene was most pleasing. The feeling of the South was borne in upon me strongly. My mother has told me that I was born somewhere in India. For several years I lived there and I fancy that the frying I had in the days of my infancy has never quite got out of my system. I love the sun and warm, balmy breezes. One seems to be able to swell out two sizes larger in that sort of a climate and to look altogether more blandly and lazily on life. I had dinner outside on a sort of terrace where all the tables were set and remember being most interested in an Italian officer dining at a table a few feet away. The object of my interest was his marvelous dexterity with his macaroni, or, rather, spaghetti. I didn't dare to eat mine after watching him. He could dip a fork into about a hundredweight of this stuff in a bowl in front of him and bring it out with a tight knot wound round the end. My fork had a lot of strings dangling from the prongs like a dozen anemic worms. He could do it every time with deadly precision. Practice, I suppose. Before going to Italy again, I shall attend a college and take a spaghetti course, because one is always up against having to eat this stuff there. I wandered round Milan and went, of course, to see the cathedral. I mingled with the crowds, taking their evening strolls, sat about in various cafes, and had a touch of the lonely nuisance again it is extraordinary how when one is by oneself in a crowded city everyone else seems to have someone to be with or to talk to and all are apparently laughing in your face with the sheer joy of life i liked milan but was anxious to get along up to the front and see the wonders of the war in the mountains the next morning i caught the train for Udine. from milan to udin takes the best part of a day Udine is on the Carzo, and at that period was very close to the front, which ran from Monfalcone on the Adriatic through Gorizia up towards the mountains. You might miss Venice by about twelve miles on your ride on the journey to Udine. I arrived that evening and drove from the station in an open, tumble-down carriage to the headquarters of the British mission. I drove sedately behind what sounded like a three-legged horse, looking at the town as I passed. A very old place is Udine full of odd corners and ancient monuments. The Romans spread themselves a good bit around here in days gone by. I found the British mission headquarters and reported myself. There was a British general there who helped me very much during my visit to the Italian front. He was head of the mission and as such was very much in touch with the Italian army command. I dined with the general that night and he very kindly set about making arrangements for me to visit various parts of the front beginning on the morrow. I was given a room in the building which had been appropriated as the mission's billets, and passed off into a pleasant sleep, dreaming mostly of spaghetti, hotel porters, generals, and alps. End of chapter twenty six. Recording by Philip Gould